Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David, and I'm the CEO here at Church Home, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. In just a moment, you're gonna hear an encouraging message around the person of Jesus and his love for you. But if we can serve you as a community in any way, we would love to do so. And the best way for that to happen is for you to actually chat with one of our pastors and get connected, which you can do on our website at churchhome.org or through the Church Home app. And if you've been impacted in any way by this podcast in your walk and journey with Jesus, we'd like to invite you to exercise your faith by actually contributing financially to help tell the story of Jesus across the globe alongside Church Home. You can do so by texting the word generosity to the number 97,000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Hey, church, welcome back. We are doing a collection of talks entitled They Don't Know What They're Doing or We Don't Know What We're Doing. It's a fashion from what I call probably the most important sentence in human history. One of the seven statements Jesus said while six hours hanging on the cross in excruciating pain, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What if your whole life was viewed through that statement? And so the first message we did Easter Sunday last week was on you have a father. We talked about just that simple reality. And and frankly, even that statement really does summarize the whole sermon. It's not a complex sermon, but oftentimes it's the simplest of realities and truths we overlook and we underestimate. And uh, well, part two is no exception. I want to go on record to say I think we have completely undervalued and underestimated forgiveness. Forgiveness. Part one was you have a father. This is part two now, and it's an unbelievable statement, and I'm so excited I get to say it. God lets me say it. It's in the Bible, and that is you are forgiven. You know that? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Uh, Forgiveness is not something that you earn. Forgiveness is not something that you deserve or warrant. Forgiveness is not something that you manufacture or even elicit. Forgiveness is a gift you receive. And it's one of the great gifts. Other than God himself, forgiveness is probably the ultimate gift. And you are forgiven. We started with you are a father, and I hope that you're sinking into that. But now I want us to sink into this idea that that you're forgiven. You're actually forgiven. Now, If we really believed that, we would act different. I'll prove it to you. Um, I can't say this anymore, but I'm 44, so I'm going to say it. Uh, My dad had no problem with spanking. If that offends you, it's too late. I'm 44. It's already come and gone, okay? And I turned out, well, it explains a lot. Okay, but, um, you know, so my dad was a little more old school that way. We we did the spanking. Nowadays, there's things like timeout and stuff. Uh, We didn't do any timeout except in basketball. Um, But... My dad had a rule. After discipline, um, it was over. Once I said, Dad, will you forgive me? And he said, yes. It was to never be addressed. And instantly he required, um, okay, smile. It's over. Let's go get a burger. Let's go get a fry. And it was, now when you're young, you're like, this is a quick turnaround, Dad. I don't know if I can, you know, I'm still a little shooken up here, and I'm not sure I can sit down, you know, but you want to go to Burgerville, all right. Uh, and, and, but, but it was my dad's way of teaching me that forgiveness says it's finished. It's finished. 
Right? There is no such thing as forgiveness that um, uh, it's brought back up, right? Now, if you've been married any length of time, you know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> the other day, Chelsea and I were talking, and I was like, well, and of course it's done, I know, it's finished, but, you know, that thing, and she's like, oh, oh, is it done or is it not? Because you're bringing it back up, right? Like, but this idea of forgiveness is finality. It literally means it's covered and finished. Probably, other than Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, the other really important statement Jesus made in regards to forgiveness is it is finished. It's finished, which was Jesus saying it is complete. Provision has been made for all the error, the wrong, and the selfishness, and the sin of humanity. Jesus, who is sinless, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's forgiveness language. That's exchange language. Jesus became our sin. We became his righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know I'm using a lot of Christian language, but I hope you're picking up on the truth and the reality that provision has been already made. It is complete. It is done. It is available to anyone and everyone. Forgiveness is not a matter of performance. In fact, correction, forgiveness is a matter of performance, and the performance has already been completed. You are forgiven. Now, the scripture allows man to partner with God in the receiving of the forgiveness. A lot of people call it believing, but a better word for believing is probably receiving. Whenever you believe, you receive. I receive it. And so oftentimes we tell people, preachers like me, if you want to get saved, you know, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What we're really saying is receive your forgiveness. Now, because you're forgiven, you have friendship with God. You have a father, you are forgiven. Two of the most important dynamics in the universe is known and unknown. You have a father, he's all-powerful, he's amazing. Furthermore, he's made provision for your forgiveness. I wonder if we need to be a little bit more like me after being disciplined by my dad. We need to let things be finished. We need to let things go. If we're really honest in this room or anybody watching, a sermon on forgiveness is great. Now, if you're like me, the moment a preacher like me starts talking about the topic, I always think about, oh, man, there's probably people in the church who've gotten into a bad business partnership or a friend posted something mean about them or, you know, they went through a divorce and they got to forgive that person who, who hurt them. And, you know, that, that's really difficult. And certainly that is in play for all of us, right? We've all been there, okay? And by the way, a lot of people are like, I forgave him once. How many know there are some people in your life you got to forgive them every day you wake up? Okay, that's the facts. And, I'm, and by the way, that Jesus taught that 70 times 7. In other words, he's like, there are going to be some people every day you're going to have to be like, I forgive you. One of my favorite verses on the subject of forgiveness is this verse that says, freely, did a sermon on it recently called Freely, Freely. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's the problem. Forgiveness is supposed to flow like this, freely, freely. You're supposed to receive it freely and give it freely. But here's the problem. We don't receive it freely. Now, we are famous historically in the church for receiving our one-time forgiveness. We're famous for this. In fact, 
I'll get, we'll do, we'll have, let's have a little exercise. This is interesting. Now, if you tell any Christian anywhere in the world, do you believe Jesus forgave you of your sins on the cross? Nearly every single Christian you'll ever talk to, this is fun. If you're not a Christian, you're watching, listen closely. This is hilarious, okay? It's true about Christians everywhere. If you ask any Christian, hey, do you believe Jesus paid for your sins and you're forgiven? They'll say yes. And then ask them this question. Do you think he has already forgiven you of sins you've yet to commit? Um. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> Which is funny because forgiveness has to time travel or it wouldn't work. Because the, the act of forgiveness that is final was thousands of years ago. So if it doesn't work predictively ahead, of, it wouldn't work. So I'm here to announce the problem with forgiveness is we receive it when we are cognizant when we are coerced or persuaded and we're like, oh, I'm forgiven. But if you're like me, things get a little hairy during the week, get a little angry, frustrated, anger, lust, jealousy, pride, envy, whatever it is. And this is how a lot of Christians live their life. They come back on Sunday and what do they do? I got to get right with God, they say. I got to get right with God, man. I've had a rough week. You know, God knows what I did last summer. He knows what I did last weekend. It's bad. And we come back in with our tail between our legs. Hint to my little puppy, Louie. I don't want to get into the details, but he, he is a believer. Um, I love him so much. But we don't freely receive our forgiveness on a regular basis. We don't. I can prove it. So much of the symptoms in the church are because we don't believe that we are completely covered, accepted, and righteous before God. That's why we're not good at giving it. <laughs> so there's a survey done by some friends of mine who have started an amazing um, outreach and ministry, and I won't say the name, but they did an extensive research in this country and did it for several years before they launched their campaign. It was pretty cool. And they polled as many people as they could that, that are aware of Christians but, but aren't Christian in this country. Just the United States of America, so bear with me. People from all different countries I know are with us and watching. But here in this country, this particular company did the research, and they discovered something phenomenal. That the biggest obstacle for any person when considering Christianity is what? Well, it's judgmentalism. It's contempt. We believe that it's our morality that gives us the upper hand or the higher level of living. It's not. It's not. That's not scripture. It's forgiveness. That's what, that's what sets you apart. You're forgiven. Not better, just covered. That's the difference. Not exposed and not left to your own devices to save yourself and fix yourself. You are covered and forgiven. But once you are forgiven, you can't be made unforgiven. You know, I don't get a lot of amens on that one. <laughs> but here's what's wild. We believe more in our own sin than in the sinless blood of Jesus. We believe that our bad weekend in Vegas can undo all that God did through his son, Jesus, on the cross. And I remind you, towards the end of the excruciating six hours, he said, it is finished. Your forgiveness is finished. It's available, it is complete, and it covers all of your air wrong and sin from the 80s, 
the 90s into the 2030s and 40s and 50s. Are we, when are we going to start calling it that? That's going to be weird, isn't it, the 20s? Are we, we're into the 20s now. So I'm just wondering when that's going to pick up because it had to happen in the night, like when it was 1900. It had to start happening. At some point, we're going to start going, you know, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. It's going to be weird. Okay. I don't know if I'll be around. I, I, I don't know if I want to live that, that long. But anyways, it's, I want to go home. But in the meantime, we are here. Um, so do we believe it or not? I mean, we're, 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 we're doing this sermon on you're forgiven. But that's the problem. We don't believe that statement. I was forgiven. I was forgiven. But until we do, we got a problem on our hand. And it's an, I call it an old Western standoff. I don't feel forgiven. I'm questioning whether or not I'm forgiven. And then some person who's a knucklehead, who's not a good person, they don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. They're not nice. They don't give money to, to charities. And they think that they can just, well, they can't because I've been doing this for 18 years and it's not easy and it's hard. And I paid my dues and I prayed my prayers and I fasted and I have sought God. And they can't just walk in here and think God's going to bless them. <laughs> right? And if we're really honest, what we're doing is we withhold forgiveness, acceptance, covering, protection, because we don't feel it. So we don't feel it. Freely you have received. You have to believe you got it freely. And then you will freely. So any teaching that teaches Christians to forgive just needs to be teaching on the cross. That's all. That's the root of it all. If you believe Jesus did what he did, freely you have received. So when someone wrongs you and hurts you, it might be every morning, okay? I got like three or four people in my life right now. It's every morning. I'm like, Lord, I forgive them. And sometimes I don't say it real nice. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, I forgive them. They're forgiven. <laughs> right? But what motivates me? It's not my goodwill. It's not because I'm just a happy, clappy guy. That's cheap and insufficient. It's because I've been forgiven. Woe is me. Take heed, the scripture says, lest you fall for the same thing you speak about others and condemn others for. You're capable of the same thing. How dare you, right? Judgment, contempt, moral high ground. There's no space for that in the church. There's no space for that in the church. We're all God's children. We have a father and his forgiveness has been provided for us freely. So really, the dynamic of our social life should be freely, freely. Freely, freely. Hey, heard what happened. Are you okay? Oh, man, I'm in a lot of pain. Who will listen? If you need to kill anyone, we'll bury him. I got you. I got your back. You know, and I know what we all mean. And I hear people, recently someone said, we'll bury whoever, man. We're with you, bro. And I'm like, well, that kind of defeats the whole thing we're committed to here. Like, we can't start hurting people who hurt us because that's not how we got here. We hurt God, and he gave up his son so that I could be covered, forgiven, and his forever. It's finished. Is it? Have you let it be finished? Have you let it go? Have you forgiven yourself? God forgave you. When are you going to just go, I'm forgiven? And I got news for you. In this earn it, deserve it, warrant it culture, 
This is what I love about preaching the gospel. It's so fun to me. I got it. Tension, by the way, makes great communication. You don't have great communication without tension. And the tension nowadays when preaching the real gospel, and the real gospel is not you get saved and it's free, but once you get in the door, it costs you everything. Uh, Be careful with that now. I understand that it comes with a cost. I understand there's pain and leadership and whatever, but that's not really how it works. You get in for free and you stay in for free. It's just what it is. It's free. (laughs) And you're forgiven and you're like, I mean, I... I promise you, if there was ever, I know I don't look like a fighter, but I am a scrapper, okay? And I love to win. Who doesn't love to win, right? Like, I'm all in, but like, that stuff starts to melt. Is that an okay word to use? In light of his forgiveness, it's like a melting moment. All of a sudden, all your sharp edges and your mean opinions about other people and what they said and what they did, it starts to melt. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, God. I know, I am a nightmare, and you forgave me. Now I freely give. I'm just glad there wasn't other modern Christians hanging on the cross in the lineup with Jesus because they would never have let the thief in. (laughs) Remember me. uh, Too late, buddy. You can't just say, remember me. Do you even know his name? (laughs) Call on the name of the Lord, buddy. Right, like, The thief breaks all our traditional evangelical rules. He can't lift his hand, right? I mean, this guy's pinned to a tree, and he's like, he doesn't even say his name. He says, remember me? And I think he says it kind of like a question, like, remember me? And Jesus doesn't go, all right, repeat after me. (laughs) Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. All right, now, we can't baptize them. John, throw some water on them. You know, like, and I'm not trying to make light. I'm having a good time. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he just goes, today, you'll be with me in paradise. (laughs) Wait, it can't be that good. Yeah, it is. It's the gospel. It's super good. Just forgiven. See, the truth is, you're one of the two thieves that's life. That's the whole life. Which one are you? Are you the thief that's like, who are you? There's no way you're God. If you're God, save yourself. Prove it. Show us. Get off the cross. Do a magic trick. Come on, do it. And the other guy's like, I've never seen anyone be crucified like you. I'm hanging here next to you. Something about you, it's different. Which thief are you? Are you the thief that calls for What's right? Are you the thief that goes, I got nothing else. I got no other shot here. Hey, can you remember me? Remember you? Yeah, I made you. I definitely remember you, bro. And he's in and and that one, you know, I mean, you, you all know, you all are smart enough to know people watching like that, that thief on the cross monologue. It just, a lot of theologians don't like it because it just wreaks havoc on our performance-based teaching. This man lived like a thug his whole life, did nothing good. By the way, you were crucified if you were a problem for Rome, right? You're you're an insurrectionist, right? So these, these other men hanging next to Jesus, these are rebels. These are men who fought people in the streets. They didn't want anything to do with Caesar and Rome, and they were fighting the empire. These are bad guys. These are 
these are not good guys. These are revolutionaries, and and they were a problem to the state. Like they, they were being justly probably killed people in the process of their insurrection or revolution. And he says, remember me. And Jesus speaks to him as if he's a child. Today, he'll be with me in paradise. (laughs) We're giving bad guys paradise? That's our message. Do bad, get good. That's our message. Do good, get good? What message is that? That's just news. That's all the news. Ours is the good news. Why? <laughs> you can be the worst person ever and you can be in paradise. You can be the worst person ever and just be loved and forgiven. Ever. Wait, what? Yeah, so just so we know, all the pastoral epistles and all the discipleship talk and all the becoming more like Jesus and becoming kind and considerate and loving and, and, and all those things, you understand those are subsequent to salvation. Everybody understands that, right? Subsequent to salvation. So those are not qualifications for Christianity. Those are supposed to be the outworkings of his involvement in your life on a daily basis. But our message is not, hey, do this to make sure you stay in the club. No, 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 no. There's one rule in this club. There is no club. There's just a king and everyone's welcome. Like, it, it, this is, so you're forgiven? I think the world breaks apart without forgiveness. I think, I think the laws of the universe break down without forgiveness. I think forgiveness is what's holding us all together. I think forgiveness helps us breathe. I really do. I think forgiveness keeps our feet on soil. I think forgiveness keeps order in the streets. I think forgiveness does it. I really do. The force that came from the sacrifice of Jesus is keeping, and even the earth shook when the work of forgiveness was finished. The creation groaned like our creator has given himself for these humans. And it shook, and the sky went dark, and, and, and a lot of guys were like, He might have been the guy, bro. He definitely might have been the guy, right? I mean, forgiveness is that palpable, palatable, powerful. It is a force. It is a force. Now science is coming out and discovering that bitterness is one of the most toxic things for your body. It can produce, it can release cancerous cells in your body. It can feed negative infections in your body. Bitterness can be a result of sickness in your body. Forgiveness is a healing agent. And Jesus welcomes us to a family called forgiveness. It's literally what we're supposed to do. They'll know, us, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Our love is expressed through our forgiveness. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Yes, you're forgiven. It's finished. It's over. I love you. It's behind us. We keep moving. Now imagine with me, if all of the Christians in the world believed they had a father and they called God father most of all, and if all the Christians in the world believed that they were forgiven forever, no matter what. Now, here's what's interesting. It is, a, it is a juxtaposition. It is a, a tension. When a lot of people, and this has been true even in the early days of the church and the early Christians, is that they felt, and there's been much conjecture around this, that if you tell everyone they're forgiven already, they'll just sin wildly. Okay, we gotta, let's establish some ground rules. Uh, everybody's sinning anyways. In case you are deceived, 
by the laws of man and the teachings of preachers like me who tell you to perform and do well. Brothers and sisters, here is the facts. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. There is no power within ourselves to sustain a sinless life. There is only one that possesses the power and did it and fulfilled it and completed it and became our sin for us. So the power to stop sinning is not in the focus of sin or the obsession with sin. It's in the receptivity of the forgiveness, the performance on your behalf that was paid. That's where the power is to stop the sin you can't stop doing. And that is why I have taught, I don't meet with women one-on-one, okay? But I have taught men for years and years and years. You have any kind of addiction, any kind of shortcoming you can't shake. I urge you, while you are in the activity that is sinful, I want you to say out loud, you are righteous. Because that's where the power is. The power is not mind over matter. The power is in the forgiveness. See, when you tell that thing that has bound you for decades that I'm already forgiven for you, because what's the strength of sin? Shame. Shame. And it tells you you're not forgiven. Remember, forgiveness isn't predicated on what I do or don't do. Just because I keep sinning doesn't mean. Now, the Bible talks about those who walk in sin or live in sin, which is to say, if you're planning and plotting more ways to hurt yourself and sin, the Bible says, boy, have you really digested the way of Jesus and who and what he's done for you? But the reality is, whether consciously or unconsciously, we are going to sin. My urge to you is don't focus on the sin. Don't obsess over the sin. Don't talk about the sin. Surely acknowledge it. Confess it. Expose it. Say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through but literally declare to the sin, I'm forgiven. I'm already forgiven. You can't win either way. Even if I still participate, maybe you have a problem with anger. I don't. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> maybe you have a problem with anger. Bible says, be angry and do not sin. One of my favorite verses. It is possible. I'm still working that out. But, um, you know, Jesus was angry and he didn't sin when he cleansed out the temple. So I'm still trying to walk that line. But, um, I know that when I am angry and I do sin, I've already been forgiven. I know this might sound strange, but you will know that progress is being made when after you sin, you are convicted of your righteousness and not convicted of guilt and shame. In other words, here's how the Spirit works. The Spirit doesn't go, look at you, dummy. The Spirit says, it's not who you are. That's not who you are. That you're the righteousness of God. You're his son. You're his daughter. That's who you are. It's not who you are. And I'm going to tell you something right now. And a lot of preachers aren't going to tell you this. You can stay in that sin your whole life. And I'm here to announce you're still forgiven. And it will not be held against you. Now, I'm not saying that your marriage will last if something's going down. You know what I mean? I'm, I can't guarantee that all the humans on this planet are going to be cool with it, right? I mean, there is some, you might have to go to jail. You know what I mean? Like, you start stealing stuff from the church. You know, we probably going to have to be like, yo, you know, we forgive you and all, but, um, you know, we're going to have to talk to you about this. You know, like, so I understand there, there are implications and complications and, and, um, and, and, and all that from, from our actions, but, but nonetheless, you're forgiven. That's where the power is 
in your life. It's in forgiveness. And I want you to see forgiveness not as fickle and finite. I want you to see forgiveness as fixed and forever. Forgiveness is like, um, I got some buddies who've won some big trophies in sports and they all buy replicas. Just, no, they all buy them, okay? So football players that have like the Lombardi, I got buddies who got the Masters trophy from the golf tournament, and that trophy ain't going nowhere, okay? Listen, I mean, these dudes rather give up one of their kids than these trophies, okay? I'm kidding, everybody relax, kinda. All right, so, but, you know, that trophy sits there as a testament that nobody can take, and that's what all these dudes will say, like, nobody can take that away, man, we got it. That's it, that's forgiveness. It's literally, the trophy is him. The trophy is Jesus. You're forgiven. You want to talk about winning the Super Bowl? You won. Remember me? Done. Today you'll be with me in paradise. By the way, you can't get into paradise unless you are completely righteous. There's no slipping into paradise. This isn't Disneyland in the back lot and the employee got you in. That's not how eternity works. Paradise, everyone is scanned and everyone's checked. And you have to be the righteousness of God to get in. So when Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, he's saying, I just made you righteous. And all it took was, hey, can you, I forgot your name, but can you remember me? Yeah, man, I got you. You'll be with me in paradise. Now that is the motivating force for believers everywhere to forgive. I am convinced particularly as we are progressing into the modern age and the technological age, it's like tidal waves that are washing over us. And I'm not so sure what it's doing to us, to be honest. I'm doing my best to be a preacher now is unique because you got to do research very quickly on what's happening to the brain and technology is changing and it's going faster. And you got young people and you're, I'm trying to make sense of how is this affecting all of us. But, but one thing is for sure. Um, and I've only been alive for 44 years, but, but, Many of the studiers of social dynamics and continents and countries are saying we, we are, in fact, very deeply divided. And we need forgiveness to flow through the streets like rivers in a desert. I mean, we just do. I forgive you. What's cool about forgiveness is when you forgive, the Bible says it's not so much that you let yourself go. But it's not so much that you let the person who hurt you go, but you let yourself go. It eats you up. Just let it go. And, you know, I have multiple counselors. If you are a counselor, let me know. Uh, I had a lady recently I spoke, and she came up. She goes, hey, I'm a counselor. Are you okay? Do you have a counselor? And I was like, is it that obvious? You know? Um, but I'm a big believer in, in, in all of that and the study of the brain and science. And I, I, I think it's such a wonderful compliment to, to scripture. But I want to say that um, I believe that Jesus himself will give you strength right now for everyone watching, everyone in this room to let go. You could let go right now. I forgive him. I forgive her. I forgive that person. I forgive. I'm not saying that it won't come back up in your heart. It will. But then when it does, and if it does, you do it again. Ah, let it go. And if you're like me and your brain starts to tell you, but they wronged you, bro. It was so bad. It's so easy to be like, exactly. And I wronged him. And it was so bad. Him, Jesus, God. It was me. My error, my wrong, my sin. Who am I? 
freely I have received, freely I'm going to give. I'm just going to give. Um, we give a lot of things in this life, don't we? Cards, balloons, flowers, <laughs> cars, rings. All these things we're expected to give. But the one thing we really need to give is what we have freely received. Forgiveness. Listen, my wife, I like jewelry more than Chelsea, let's be honest. But um, I constantly have jewelry on. I am my older sister's brother and my mother's son. I love to shop. I love accessories. Uh, I don't wear clothes. I wear outfits. You know this. <clears throat> but in all of our buying and giving of gifts, I wonder sometimes if we could just be like, I think I just need to give forgiveness more. And you know, I heard somebody say once, oh, forgiveness don't cost anything. That's the cool thing about, it. actually it costs everything. Cost God everything. Cost him his son. You know, if you wondered how big of a deal forgiveness is to God, sink into this just as we conclude. Jesus is in heaven in a physical, visible form. Did you know that? Jewish Jesus, we will meet him. Bible says he he wasn't he wasn't Swedish, he was Jewish, just to be clear. So um, you know, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus, he ain't there. Um, but um he, uh, he, the same Jewish Jesus that, that Peter met, that Bartholomew met, that Thomas met, that Andrew met, we will meet. I'll see his hair. I'll see his eyes. But the Bible specifically says you'll, you'll, you'll still see the scars in his body and in his side, probably in the crown of his head. Did you know that the Son of God will be in physical form for all eternity? Do you know that your physical form will be made new? I believe you won't have scars, but there will be one that will. All your scars will be wiped away. I think we'll probably all be like 25 again. That's what I'm thinking, you know. It's a good, it's a good age for all of us, you know, generally speaking. Well, probably 30-ish, something I started to get a little bit more healthy with my food intake, but I don't want to get into it. Um, but uh, how important is forgiveness to God? I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I promise I'm done. But can you imagine if you saw an ant colony in your backyard and you thought to yourself, I love those ants. I love them so much. They look like they're killing each other down there. I know what I'll do. I'll become an ant and I'll save the ants. We'd all be like, ah, that's cute, but when do you come back? And you would say, well, if I become an ant, I'm gonna be one forever. We'd all be like, don't do it, bro. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the kids. At least they get like blown back up. Like, don't do that. All the 40 plus year olds are like, nice reference. Everybody else is like, what? <laughs> um, that's what God did far more for us. He put on skin and bone and he won't take it off. We won't take it off forever. We will see him. And um, that's how important forgiveness is to him. That's how important you are to him. It's not a light thing. It's not a little thing, church. We must walk in forgiveness. 
how. We must review, rehearse, receive, recite our forgiveness. You can't do it enough. You have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, thank you. Your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So my right relationship with God makes me peaceful, shalom, which is wholeness and soundness of body. And then it produces joy. And the joy of the Lord will be my strength. So in the domain and rule and reign of the king, one is positional and two-thirds are emotional. And that's why I'm saying for us, how are we just as anxious as everybody else on earth? How can this be? I'm telling you, we have a righteousness problem. We have to receive the imputed, gifted righteousness of God, which declares our finished forgiveness, final and complete. And it sets us up for two thirds of the kingdom. Once you establish your position, Now you get to enjoy the emotion that comes with the position. And the emotion, shalom, is not just, what a peaceful afternoon in Seattle. No traffic. No, no, no. It's not circumstantial. Shalom is a complete wholeness of being. It's a soundness. It's a continuity and consistency. Brain, it's from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. There's a continuity. His flow, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, uh, power, love, and a sound mind. These things function. Shalom in your body. And then joy. Joy is this idea of the expectation of good. How can you expect something good? If you're like me, everything in the new and all the evidence is things are going to get worse. There's new kinds of COVIDs and new kinds of diseases. And everyone's, I'm telling you, our expectation of good comes from our good father. So we are actually supposed to be the peculiar people on the planet who are so giddy about our forgiveness and our posture and position that we have complete soundness of body and mind and we have a joy that won't quit. And I'm not saying denial. I'm not saying I don't go to my, I met with, you know, Les Parrott's one of my counselors. I told him, man, I was like, bro, I'm tired, man. This has been a lot. Some Christians are being mean to me. I don't like this. This is not nice. I, I, Christians are mean. He said, let me, I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to pray for it. So I'm down for all of that. But this forgiveness will help you expect good things from God in the future. <laughs> I, I know God wants to bless me. I just believe it. How you doing? I'm going through a tough time, but I am blessed. I got to be honest with you. Things work out for me. God loves me. I am his favorite. (laughs) And here's what I can tell you about God. The moment you realize you're his favorite, he'll never disagree. John the Beloved literally called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And God put it in the Bible multiple times because God's like, John, I got to be honest with you. I tend to agree. You are my guy. Do you know that you are his woman? You are his man. He loves you. You're forgiven. You're righteous. So let that forgiveness flow to your family, to your children, to your spouse, to your former spouse, to your former partner, to your former business colleague. Let it just flow. And if it needs to flow tomorrow, it'll flow tomorrow. But for today, let it flow. And then by the way, you have license from God to expect good things from his good hands. So you get your expector out there and you believe that God will turn it around. And people have always been calling us Jesus people crazy. It ain't going to change. 
we just run for the whole different set of rules, you know? And the rule is he did it all, and we're in for free, and this thing is wild and crazy, and it is so good, and we are so blessed. Your life is not what you make it. Your life is what God makes it. Just let go, man. Let go. I could, I feel like that's all but an introduction. You know, there's so much more we can say about forgiveness. I never got to my three points, but that was enough for now. Um, God's talking to our church, and, and um, what we're talking about can heal your family, you know? It can, it's healed mine. It's healed mine. It's healed mine. You know, that's forgiveness talk. They don't know what they're doing. I got a lot of people in my life, they sure seem like they know what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? They've been like, God, I'm trying to forgive these people, but they definitely know what they're doing. They mean to hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, they put nails in his hands and he's talking about they really don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. Just forgive them. Can you imagine if you lived that way? If that was your posture? Ah, he divorced me. He doesn't know what he's missing. He doesn't know what he's doing. I forgive him. Can I ask you a question and I'm done? I'm done. Have you ever met anybody in your whole life? And I'm going to talk to some people who got a little bit of gray hair like me. Okay, you, you, you have in your whole lifetime, have you ever met this person? I'm being so serious. You ever met this person? Hey, how you doing? Man, thanks for coming to coffee with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you been? Not good. Really, what's going on? <sighs> Too much forgiveness. <laughs> what do you mean? I just feel over-forgiven. And I just forgive everyone. And to be honest, since then, things have gotten really complicated and difficult in my life. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's the dumbest illustration ever because that's never happened. In all of human history, I have never met the person who's like, I'm super into forgiveness, and man, is it just, it's just made life so hard. <laughs> it's always the opposite. I'm just trying just so angry and I'm so mad and how could they do that? And, and listen, there's a time and place. If you got some really good friends, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, hey, no judgment here. Just get it out, okay? And after about 45 minutes, you're like, okay, are you done? All right. So um, has Jesus been cool with you? You know, like, did he forgive you? Yeah, you should probably, all right, all right, let's forgive him again, you know? But it'll never hurt you. It'll never hurt you. Isn't that funny? It's like water. It's like water. You know how many things would work better in your body if you just drank more water? <laughs> Forgiveness and water are like one of the same. It's so uncomplicated, but we miss it. People are like, man, I need to get some Advil. I need to, I need to get some electrolytes. Can't you anybody got the Gatorade? You're like, bro, I got to be honest with you. Skip the Advil and the Gatorade and drink water. You know what I mean? Like, that would be really good for you. Even the chlorinated water that in our cities, okay? Like, just drink some water. Forgiveness is so funny. It's like, I, I just... Man, I, I got to really meet, you know, our family's just really going through it. Things are super complex right now. Or you just start forgiving, and I bet things would probably improve. I'm being so serious, and I'm not trying to insult anybody. But here's the good news about forgiveness. You don't have to wait for anyone to ask you. You can just give it. You're forgiven. Now, if you're like me, every once in a while, I've been doing this long enough to be like, hey, man, I just want you to know I forgive you. My favorite is like, I didn't ask for you to forgive me. I don't need your forgiveness. And you're like, 
I forgive you anyways. <laughs> Those are my least favorite forgivers uh, or forgivenesses that I give. It's like, hey, man, I forgive you. And then they're annoyed because they don't feel like they need forgiveness. But we all do. Let's be forgivers. Let's be forgivers. And I, I said it earlier today, but I want to be an enemy lover eventually. I'm not. I like those prayers by David. You guys read those ones? You know, I don't think they're applicable much anymore in the New Covenant and the New Testament, but David's like, kill all the bad guys. I hate them. You hate them. You should hate them. Don't we all hate them? Kill them dead. They're bad. Why do all the bad guys get the good stuff? You know, kill them. Yeah. So, you know, that's not our dispensation now, but I do like to go back in time sometimes and be like, Lord, I really like what David's saying here, if that's something you want to consider. Uh, but that's not how it works. Thank God. Let's be enemy lovers and forgivers, people who freely receive forgiveness and freely give forgiveness. Please don't underestimate what I'm saying. It could heal nations. It could heal nations. It could heal continents. It just could. It could heal some of the most despicable things we do to one another if we would learn to forgive. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you. You are the great forgiver. <laughs> It's literally, it's who you are. It's who you are. Thank you for paying the price for our forgiveness. May forgiveness be a hallmark of this house and a hallmark of our life. We love you. It is not hard to love you. It is easy. You are so wonderful. You're so indescribable and you're so incredible. Now, God, I just stopped just for a moment, and I recognize that the moment we start talking about forgiveness, we all feel challenged. We want to hold it back. We want to withhold it. We do. We get angry with each other. We get mad at siblings and coworkers and friends and neighbors. But remind us again how freely you forgave us and how freely we can give forgiveness away. If you're watching anywhere in the world or in this room, and you'd like to receive the forgiveness of Jesus. He's the only one that can offer the forgiveness of all your error and your wrong and your sin. If you'd like to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, just lift your hand wherever you are in the whole world. And I believe by the raising of your hand, you're signifying to yourself, I believe this, and I believe that Jesus can forgive me of my error, my wrong, and my sin, and you will never be the same again. God, thank you. One more time, we can't thank you enough. Thank you that your forgiveness flows freely. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen.